This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered legal, medical, or mental health advice. The views and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the podcast and are not intended to malign any religion, group, club, organization, business, individual, anyone, or anything. Hey everyone, it's Nippy here. Here's a replay from The Vaults that was originally broadcast especially for our A Little Bit Culty Patreon crowd. You can get more of this kind of thing, plus ad-free flagship episodes and other exclusive treats if you hang out with us on Patreon. Cold chillin'. Sometimes we Zoom, sometimes we make word salads, you never know. So come on over, why don't ya? All the cool kids are doing it on Patreon. Find us at patreon.com slash a little bit culty. Happy New Year! That was a weird noise. So we're here in Vancouver. Tonight is actually as we record New Year's Eve, but you're going to be getting this on January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th. You'll get this on January 5th. So it'll be also still in the window where you can say Happy New Year to people. Yeah, we won't be very different as people by then probably. I feel like I'm going to be different. I'm setting my intentions for the year, which Nippy, of course, rolls his eyes at, but I... (laughs) I do not. I still do it, you know, and not in a woo-woo sense, just like, here's my intention for the, it's like, oh God, all these words are so tainted, mindfulness, intentions, and goals. Like I'm just getting in my mind and in my headspace that I need to focus on getting grounded because basically Nippy and I, and I was thinking about this since we've been back in Vancouver and everyone's like, how's Atlanta and how's your new life and how's the podcast? And we've been so go, go, go that we haven't really had time to like reflect on like how things are going. How do you think things are going now, now that you've had these two months or these two weeks here in Vancouver of like thinking about our move and our big life changes? How are you? There's a long answer and the short answer. Which one do you want? I think you have to ask the Patreon fans, what do they want? How about I split the difference? It's going great. We're finally going to have a place to unpack. We're not going to be in a suitcase. So I actually think when we go back day after tomorrow, it's going to be the real move, if that makes sense. And so all the traveling, the hour and a half in a car every day is going to be spent producing better content. How about you? Yeah, I feel like that last four months was us just like having an extended trip at other people's homes in Atlanta. So I'm excited to go back and, you know, actually nest and build a home and have a podcast room and settle into that lifestyle. And, and, you know, this whole thing is a bit of an experiment. See how it goes, see how we like it. And now I've had some time to reflect. I think one thing I'll share this with you guys, y'all, the Patreon listeners, is that it's been a blur. Like, I feel like we've been flying by the seat of our pants and like, we might as well have been recording this podcast in a car. It's been kind of hectic. And I feel that while I still feel really good about what we're creating, I feel like Nippy and I have barely had time to like even talk to each other. Like any free time that we have, just us, we're doing podcast stuff. So I'm kind of looking forward to like getting back to the old days where we can banter more and Nippy can do some word salad because there's, where's the word salad? Where's the effing word salad, babe? I'm not here to be reprimanded, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's being tossed. <laughs> that was definitely wasn't a reprimand reprimandation. It was a, whoa, I can't wait to get back into our groove. And, you know, this time of year for me is, is a lot of reflection. And the word gratitude has kind of also been overused because I want to say I'm grateful for y'all. I think there's a word salad for gratitude out there. I think you did it already. But my point is, is that you guys don't know that this Patreon thing, which by the way, I didn't even know what that was when we started a podcast. I'd never even heard of Patreon. And then when people said, oh, you should do a Patreon, I was like, yeah, I don't, don't want to ask people to like pay. Like anything around sales was so still so gross to me. 
And now that, that we've started it and people are willing, like you all are willing to pay to have extra content or ad-free listening or whatever you signed up for so that we can keep making this podcast. Like we wouldn't be able to do it without Patreon right now. So there's no way. So like gratitude is like, oh, I'm so grateful. Sounds so, so trite, you know? So I think it's been made trite. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, uh, it's pretty, pretty awesome. And we get to do more content and I want to produce some more podcasts. So we have some ideas to do that in the new year. And while we're at it, my first question for you is what guests do you want this next year? And Patreon members, you guys can chime in as well, but this is for Sarah, who's on your uh, hit list. Well, I actually don't have specific guests in mind yet. I have content that we obviously have to do. We just haven't figured out who we're going to interview from One Taste and Rosmundo, the Mexican one. We just haven't, we don't know who we're going to interview, but we're working on that. Definitely Schmadmark. <laughs> but like, I kind of feel that it's been done. Like we've, what we've, we could do a, a specific episode devoted to it, but I just, I really don't want to get sued. God, it's been a big year. Isn't that the reason it needs to be done? Because these people are blatantly abusing their power and the reason they exist is because people are afraid to hold them accountable. But wouldn't it be ironic as we get through this whole thing and like Nexium doesn't sue us, but but Schmanmark sues us? <laughs> I mean, I just don't want to go down that way. We're not going down that way. Okay, now who are your top guests? Well, definitely Landmark. Scientology still chaps my ass. I just, just don't feel like I'm done with them, right? And Mike Rinder's coming out soon. Mike Rinder part two. Part D. Do read his book if you haven't already, Billion Years. It so cruises. Good. It cruises too. It's a fast read. And also I was just on Stephen Hawson's page and he interviewed a guy named Michael Shermer, who I've been reading for over 20 years. This is op-eds and everything. And I really like him. I like him to come in and maybe talk about conspiracy theories. I just saw a clip where he was talking about the CIA and how they do it. And that stuff's really interesting to me. I want to get the QAnon one under our belt. Then I want to do extreme left. And then once I kind of feel like we get those out, I feel good. One thing I've noticed in reflection on the year, and you, I don't know how much you guys follow all the different like comments on Instagram or whatever, but every episode we do, somebody, I mean, most of the comments, 99% of the comments and the feedback is positive, which of course we love, but there's always one person who's got a problem with one thing that we've said. And most of the time, like I can handle that and it's usually very constructive, but like sometimes it's just so funny to me that it's just like... The whole episode, so many people are like, oh my God, this totally happened to me or this happened to somebody I love. Like the parenting, you know, course of stuff around parental alienation. And I know that term is so loaded and it's controversial in the field. Like we're not, we're not experts. We don't have a, we don't have a research team to go like fact check everything. So we're just talking to guests and their experience. If they say something that you don't like, be like, go tell them. You know what I mean? Like people tell us. And it, I just think that's hilarious. I think that's normal. I, I remember we were talking about it. Like if we're on a TV show, say The Val, like we were, and there's no internet, there's people in kitchens in Topeka, Kansas are going, oh, look at those fucking two or whatever. And we never know about it. Now we know about it. <laughs> they let us know. And so it's like recreational outrage, or but it's mostly positive. I think if we put out mostly positive content, you're going to get mostly positive back. That's been our experience. And I think it's good. If everyone's agreeing with you, you're not really getting good feedback. And there's definitely people out there who have given us constructive feedback that I've been like, thanks for that. That actually made me see things differently. So, you know, if it can be used like that. I had an interaction with somebody on social media that I wanted to share because it was a surprise to me. Because every now and then I would say like every six months, I get something negative personally. And this is this was one of them. 
She wrote, I'm sorry for what you went through, but how are you not in prison with Allison Mack? You recruited over 2,000 victims with financial gain and you're a victim. You are a narcissist. That's capitalized. You are a narcissist with a capital N. Get help. Also capital H. Please, especially for your daughter. And normally with stuff like that, I just like ignore or delete or whatever. But I was in a mood. I don't know why. Nippy's always like, let it go, Sarah. Let it go. This person's in a basement eating Hot Pockets, right? And I just was like, you know what? This person doesn't actually know what they're talking about. I'm going to educate them, but I was also a little bit sassy. It's so okay. It's okay to bring the sass. Yeah. So I said, LOL, excuse me. I don't have a daughter, first of all. Secondly, I recruited less than 100 who in turn brought in people, etc. I committed zero crimes and did the right thing when we found out about the shit behind closed doors. Your ignorance is embarrassing. Do your research before you victim shame and then get a life. Peace out. And she wrote, you're right. What? And I'm sorry. I was an ass and I felt triggered after watching The Vow. Forgive my ignorance and I'm truly sorry for what you went through. So I wrote I wrote back, totally forgiven. Thank you, heart emoticon. I get it. It's triggering. Thank you for owning that. And she wrote, thank you. I do own it. And I really hope you continue to heal. Ugh, the holidays. <laughs> I like that. I I remember thinking like, wow, that's so crazy because normally just get, it gets into a a war and then I would have blocked them anyway. But the fact that she owned it and then I owned it and there is forgiveness and it reminded me of something else that happened. Can I share the whole food story? So this other thing happened and I'm telling you this because both of these things have given me hope for humanity. And that's overall what I feel after this year is the fact that people are opening their eyes to this stuff and there's like a shift and Related to that, this other thing happened at the Whole Foods parking lot in Vancouver, which is a very small parking lot. And it was Christmas Eve day or it was one of the holidays this this over the past two weeks. And it was very hectic. And I had a, like a moment with somebody in a, with parking where I thought she was pulling out and I was pulling in and then she had to stop for me. And she like, there was a, I'm not going to get into the details, but there was like a, a moment of frustration and she rolled down the window and she was like, oh, and like, well, you have hope, you have a good day. And then I like, I'm like, sorry, I wasn't trying to do it. And she's like, yeah, well, da-da-da, you fucking idiot. And she was like, just all riled up. And I walked away from my car and I was like, wow, I hope I'm, I'm going to see her in Whole Foods, which is this one in Vancouver is very small. And like, if you see someone again, it's like tight, <laughs> it's awkward. So I was like, you know what? I went back downstairs and I saw her get out of the car and I was like, I'm sorry. I just want to say like, are you okay? And then she started to cry <laughs> and was like, I'm not okay. I got stuck in Mexico. My dog's sick. And I just like, the parking thing was one more thing. Obviously it's not about the parking. It's like, I'm, I'm like, I get it. It's the holidays. It's so stressful. And we, she had a mask on, but I, otherwise I totally would have hugged her. I'm like, can I give you an air hug? And she's like, yes. And we kind of like cried together in the parking lot. Those two incidences over the past few weeks have shifted. Like, I don't know. I, I just feel like, I don't know, hope for the world. Is that a good way to put it? What was your favorite episode this past year? That's a tough one for me. Favorite episode. That was one of my questions for you. So you're going to have to answer it also, Anthony. I really did. You know, I I love different parts of all of them. I'd say probably the ones that was the one that was most meaningful to me too. I'm going to say two. Elisa Wall from the FLDS, her journey with exposing Warren Jeffs and everything that she's gone through reading her book and learning about that whole religion, cult, organization, whatever you want to call it, has been mind-blowing. And and her stamina and resilience means a lot to me. I've got one more, but I'll let you go first. What was yours? The one that left the biggest impression and I felt most informed after. It's not like I don't with the ones like Alyssa Wall. Like, like the stories are amazing. And the one that I felt educated one was Romani's. Mm. Yeah, I feel like that was our most tight in terms of like, here's a bunch of knowledge. Yeah, it made a lot of things clear. Like what, Anthony? Well, like what narcissists do, particularly how it's transactional and it allows you to see also the distinctions between like narcissistic behavior and an actual narcissist. 
like narcissistic behavior most people can grow out of, right? A narcissist doesn't, and they're always strategizing and they're always looking to play you. And her capacity to just like download that really quickly was, was great. I think the one, I agree with you about educational, the one that was most meaningful for me as a person in terms of my own healing was with Evan Rachel Wood. And even though the content of what we went through is so different, just the other similarities, well, the content of our, us both being branded with the guy's initials in the same place, that's pretty crazy. But in terms of learning from her, how she heals and going through trauma, and she's also recommended some books to me that I haven't, <laughs> haven't read yet, but are in my Audible. But the bots came out for that one too. Oh, what do they say, Nip? They were mean and nasty. Hurt my feelings. Any other questions? Now that we've been back in Vancouver and we've been talking to our friends and talking about like, you know, how's it land and how's a podcast? What, what's been the most surprising thing that people have shared with you? This is not so much about the pod, but like the vow. When people talk to you about the vow. Well, obviously, because it's Nancy heavy, the questions go towards Nancy. And some of them are like, why so much Nancy? Which is a fair question. But I think that was probably the best way to, to follow someone's story of reconciliation even though she's probably reconciling for the next two or three years while in jail. But really the consistency of people's impressions of Nancy, which is they think she got it. They think she's at the end when she's crying, they think it's real. But the, but the real question is, is what is she really crying about because of what she did or because her life is, is ruined? And we won't know that for a while. And in answer to many of your questions, no, I have not actually had contact with Lauren, but I'm working on getting access to be granted through our lawyers. And when that happens, for sure, you will all know about it. hundred percent. Maybe she can come on the pod. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, and Nippy and I had an idea for this new year, probably about once a month. We're going to have like a totally random guest, like not a normal guest, but like an old member who's like not somebody you've ever heard about, but like some random person who did ESP or Jeunesse or, or SOP with us. And we're just going to like shoot the shit with them. So I was out with a friend last night having some cocktails at a my favorite burger place in Vancouver called The Poor House, P-O-U-R, house. Uh, it's cocktails and has the best burger. And we're sitting there just, you know, kind of remembering because we used to go there after, you know, like class or something like that. And it was a podcast episode. I mean, it was a little rated R, but it was funny as shit. And I was like, you should just come home and we should record and, and riff. And, that, and I told Sarah last night, I was like, what if we just had an old member on, just shot the shit with them about what they remembered and went from there. Sarah's like, no, not on my watch. <laughs> I did not say that. Well, you know, it's funny. Like every time I talk with ex-members, they bring up things that I totally forgot about. Like I was with somebody this week. We were just like catching up and an ex-member and they said something about the inner deficiency. And she said, because I remember once Keith saying, and you, you know, we've talked, oh, because we were talking about how like he was saying everything that he was doing in plain sight. And that's such a typical thing of a, of a sociopath. And one of the things he said was, well, you know, the inner deficiency actually isn't even real. And like, what a head fuck that is, is like our whole, everything that we do in this program is, is based on like working through our inner deficiencies. And he's admitting to us, it's not even real. It's a construct he made up so that he can get us to like work on this thing and stay dependent on the organization. You know, another question people ask, it's like, what do you think Keith was really after? And like, he must've been like, like, I think the people have the hardest thing realizing about Keith is I think it was just to scratch his itch of sex. And it was nothing more than that. You think? That's what I think. It was everything is angling for that. From Karen's story when he's a freshman in, in high school to now, the behavior didn't change. And I think if, if he just used his intelligence or faux intelligence for something else, like that was what ran that guy. Well, he can't do that now. 
I wonder if anyone, if he's made friends there. Do you think about that? Never. In recollections with ex-members, there was one person who was like with us right from the beginning. And a little while back, he gave us feedback about like the optics of how we were presenting post all of this. And this is somebody who left in the early days before shit was obviously weird and wasn't part of the takedown or anything. And so he was just saying like the optics of us being successful in the light of all the pain, you know what I mean? Is sort of what the, the gist that I got of it. And it was not that we had a falling out, but we just, I just was like, wait a second, have you even listened? He hadn't listened to the podcast. I was like, why don't you listen to the podcast and then you can decide if I'm doing what you think I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like I felt... It, it, was, it was also, I don't know if you remember this. It was like one of our second or, th- or third lunches with Eckhart Tolle. Oh. And he said, I know it's touchy subject here, but this is what he said. So you guys can take it out on him. When we were sitting there and like, you know, we're trying to turn this into a positive. And he's like, oh, there are going to be people who aren't going to like and don't think that you deserve to be thriving. Right. Yeah. He's remember like, that? yeah, he basically said like... Yeah, he's like, get ready for that. You can't really do this unless you're suffering. And I've been, I've been through the suffering stage and now I'm on the other side stage. And anyway, I reconciled with this person and we kind of hashed it out. And I shared with him that like, I couldn't be defensive because then I'd be like flipping it back on him and be like gaslighting in a way, you know, like, well, you know, that feedback's not true because you, you don't even, you don't even know what we're doing in our podcast. The whole thing in our podcast is trying to clean up our mess and we're going through a journey, you know, and I guess what he saw this time and I thought it was interesting is like, he's like, I just don't like the optics of like you with your a little bit culty coat tote bag. Like, don't be cute around this. This isn't cute. And I'm like, I don't think I would have done that five years ago, but I'm five years in. I'm five years into this post-cult healing journey. And, you know, sometimes we laugh and sometimes it's dark and sometimes we're cute. I'm not that cute. I mean, <laughs> I just don't see myself as cute, but I get it's tongue, what- It's tongue in cheek. I, I get what he might be saying, but it's not what we're doing. And- it's kind of like, I don't know, I, I saw Mike Tyson on a podcast and he's like, the only people that can hurt you are your friends and family. And there's just certain people that if you turn a negative into a positive, I don't think you deserve to do it. Like, I'm not asking you for permission to go out and, and make this thing a positive thing. Like, we get more support from strangers in that regard. I mean, I think ultimately, because now it's like, it's undoubtedly we've turned it into a positive. There are people that now are kind of like coming out and wanting to be a part of it in a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I welcome that. You know, anyone that wants to add positivity to positivity, I welcome that. I don't really hold a grudge. I don't care. I don't think about it because I've got little bandwidth as it is. <laughs> yeah, there's just not a lot of energy for grudges. Anyway, those are some of the ruminations of the year and especially season five, which was created in a whirlwind of an international move. So I think that that I can't even remember the rest of the year. I I don't even know what we did, except we created a podcast. We moved. We are building a new life. And Troy threw a couple touchdowns. Troy (laughs) threw a couple touchdowns. My three-year-old has a potty mouth like a sailor. Oh, my God. Should we tell him what he said? No, 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 I'm not even going to put it on this because someone will be like, you guys are terrible parents and I can't handle it. I had nothing to do with that. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I can guarantee you it's not going to go over well. Right. So I'm not going to tell you guys. You'll have to guess right. what Ace said to Nippy. Dude, it was savage. Let's play some voicemails. 
Hi, Sarah and Nippy. Uh, my name is Yara and I'm calling from the Pacific Northwest. Um, you guys are so incredible and brave and amazing. And I just am so deeply thankful for what you're doing and what you have done so far, um, that you're putting your story out there to help others. Um, you have personally helped me in my healing journey. Um, seeing coercive control, that's a new lens through which to see the abuse that I've endured throughout my life. So um, it's just incredible. Thank you so much. You guys are the first people I've ever supported on Patreon because you deserve, you deserve everything. So um, my question to you is, um, I, I was abused at a, at a high school by a high school teacher when I was 16. And recently my story came out in the press, um, the local press in Southern California, where the abuse happened and, um, to a much smaller degree than, than the attention you guys have gotten, but still, um, the community reached out and I've been, um, connecting with a lot of survivors of different types of abuse. And that's been a really amazing and healing thing to find a community of survivors and to, um, to meet with them. Um, but my question or desire for advice, I guess, from you guys is, um, you know, as, as people who are dealing with our own trauma and when you meet other trauma survivors, we're all kind of uh, in our muck, right? Like we're in different phases of, of healing and processing. And I just wanted to know if you guys had sort of like best practices for how to interact with each other as communities of survivors, where you're not really getting your trauma responses all over each other and that it's a safe environment, um, the safest possible environment. And, um, that you're, that it, it's really, um, a source of healing because I've noticed sometimes, you know, um, different people's trauma can, like they can, it can interact with another person's trauma response, um, in a way that is not always safe. And, um, I know nobody wants to do that to each other. Um, so I, I just wanted to know, because you, you guys seem so, um, emotionally intelligent and like you have this amazing community. And I just wanted to know if there were sort of things that you keep in mind when you are speaking in amongst other survivors, like anything that you like preload, any sort of language or mantra for lack of a better word, um, of how to proceed in those relationships so that they are, they continue to be uplifting and healing. Thank you so much again for all you do. Um, I hope that was not a word salad and that the question made sense to you guys. Um, have a wonderful day. Yara, I really love that question. I got actually kind of emotional. <laughs> it has to happen at least once. It does. <laughs> because I, I kind of flashed back to the early days of leaving Nexium and it, it was fucking messy. I'm not going to lie. I, I wish I knew everything I knew now because I probably would have done things differently with members and ex-members. I think there was even people that I tried to get out that I didn't because I wasn't trauma informed at that time. And most people left with us because they were like, what? You got branded? I'm out of here. Other people were like, you're really angry. Kind of like the response to Nancy's voice, you know, the voicemail that Nancy left. Like they were in that camp, like she's angry. So she's in her issues. So like, there's no validity to what she's saying kind of thing. But I think, I, I feel like I need to ask an expert about that. If there's, if there's something they'd recommend, I think that generally what was good when and helpful is, is just spending time sharing stories about the, what happened and like letting people express. But I know that what didn't work is like telling anybody what they needed to do or not do in terms of heal, healing. Like everyone has had their own healing journey. And I mean, I lost a lot of friends during that time, even people who left, but like they left and then they were like still angry 
and didn't like there was a lot of misplaced anger and you know people just sort of stopped talking to each other because I think we just all kind of triggered each other because we didn't have language yet to deal with the emotions that were coming up in a way that was like safe like if we'd all just gone into like a cult recovery program right then we probably would have been we would have been able to navigate that better but we didn't we were just flailing around and going like we definitely don't want to be a part of that and that's really crazy but then we were angry and felt betrayed, but we didn't have tools to like work through that immediately. So I don't know. I don't necessarily think we did it right. What do you think, Nep? Maybe you have something better to say. I don't think it's better. I think it's different. Uh, I think every person heals in their own way. That said, I can tell you what I felt like works and some of the things I noticed. You have to make allowance that you're going through some trauma and everyone else is going through trauma and they have a process of deciphering delusion. And certain people are resilient in different ways, right? So if you're trauma bonding with people, which we kind of were in a lot of ways, it was clear that one person just wasn't handling what happened to them well. It was clear that certain people were handling it different, maybe because they were less affected and less targeted. And there were certain people that you just had to be around and be comfortable with them going through that and knowing that's what it was. At the same time, you don't want to have relationships that are just based on your trauma because then you'll stay there and you won't evolve your trauma. So there's things that I did that I took the advice of Stephen Hassan and Yanya Lalich, and I just found something that I knew I was disciplined in and doubled down on it to kind of build a foundation of grounding that I knew what I was doing. So if that's running or whatever it might be, yoga or whatever it is, do something active. And I found like all those little drops in the bucket every day have a compounding interest. They tried to put me on drugs or that one woman said, have you considered this? And that lit a fire in my ass. I was like, I'm not going on drugs. I've been happy before. I know I can handle this. And I know that like, I don't need to do that. And I don't think that was the best thing for me. It might be the best thing for other people. But for me, it was just like, no, I've never needed this. And I don't need it now when I'm going through trauma. So that was super motivating for me to get out of whatever headspace I was. And it motivated me to what I call reconcile my delusion around what happened. I'm not saying that's what, what happened with you. Yours is, yours is actually real trauma, but my trauma was that I was conned and I had problems with that. So it wasn't, it was a different content. So it was really reconciling that notion as quickly as I can, because I had two kids. I had two kids, so I didn't have time to be injured in that way. And just to clarify, when you say that was real trauma, you also had trauma. I just had a physical trauma. Is that what you mean by that? Because someone's going to write to you and say, you had real trauma too. I think we both acknowledge we had different types of trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is you don't have to reconcile your delusion around being sexually abused. That's not your process for figuring out your trauma. It was mine. Everybody in Nexium had different types of trauma and different types of interactions and different things to work through. But like what Nibby just said, find the thing that works for you that will help you physically. And obviously if you've come out of a yoga call, doing yoga is not a good idea. For me, it was, but also doing yoga in a community that didn't have any doctrine or dogma or like program to subscribe to and devote your life to was important. But just to answer one more thing about that question from Yara, and I think it's great. And as, as Nippy was talking, I was remembering that a lot of people that we got out of Nexium with were like, oh, this is bad and I'm just going to not do it anymore. And they never got therapy and they never processed. And I, I think that I don't know the details of Yara's situation. So it's really case by case as well in terms of the nature of the group or the cult or the organization. It's super important to work with a, a specialist who understands course of control and cults because a lot of the people that I found that didn't work on the stuff, didn't want to work on it because therapy sounded a lot like Nexium questions. So they'd they try to, and then people would say like, you know, I, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean? And that's, a, that was, what do you mean is like the staple 
main question in executive success programs, figuring out the meaning on something. So if a therapist asks them, what do you mean? They're like, I can't do this. It's like things like that would be a trigger. I, I remember there was one woman who was a coach who got out and she went to like massage school and the massage teacher had like an orange scarf, the same shape as a sash. And that woman like had a PTSD reaction and like couldn't continue studying with this woman or massage school or whatever it was. So like those kinds of things could be super triggering or like you can go and smell incense and be like brought back to the same place where you did the meditations and the chants and the yoga call or whatever. So my point is, is that you never know it's going to trigger you and you have to have tools to like transcend those moments. And I think we've, if you listen back to Natalie, Dr. Natalie Feinblatt talked about how to do that. I believe a lot of our experts and therapists who, who are trauma-informed have some great tips. If you want to look back at our library, I'd say that probably is a, a good way to answer that question from an expert's point of view. But all that to say, it was a shit show. And thanks for your support on IG. Yara is the one we posted with the, with the little bit culty hat, and it's definitely one of our favorite photos. Thank you. Bro, what a great note to end on. I'm so happy that you liked your merch package. I got to tell you, when we, we came up with this idea, we didn't really think about the logistics <laughs> of stuffing, mailing, ordering a hundred care packages and there's still more because we've opened up the inner circle, but the lip balm, the hat, the book, I hope everyone who, who signed up for that enjoys it. If you didn't and you want to, it's not too late. Really appreciate everyone who's done that. Just a reminder, it does say it and we've honored the people who signed up, but we're trying to keep it just to the U.S. because shipping outside of the U.S. is crazy expensive, costs more than the merch itself. So it's silly. But anyway, we, we appreciate people wanting that and feeling close enough to us that they want to wear a little bit culty hat or have a signed book or fix your chapped lips with our chap your ass lip balm. And thank you for sharing with nine to 10 people and having conversations outside the podcast. Just knowing that one person goes down to a mailbox with our merch and has other people talking about it, I think is part of the reason we're doing it and part of building awareness. So just that story alone is great, whether they do Patreon or not, and they watch, listen to two episodes, three episodes and come out with some wisdom means we've done what we've set out to do. So thanks for that. Thank you guys. It really does mean a lot to us. And, you know, if you're listening and you ever see us out in public, totally feel free to say hi. There's people who've messaged us later and been like, I saw you, I didn't interrupt you. You can always interrupt. It means a lot to us. And it's actually very validating to hear how how our work impacts people. I was actually out for dinner last night, for those of you who've read my book with my BFF, who is Paige in the book, not her real name. And she's not really seen seen all this in, in real life. And the waitress at Maynam, which is like this incredible restaurant in Vancouver, anyone who's from here knows it's it's unreal restaurant. At the end of the night was like, I really appreciate your advocacy and your work and the vow. And Paige was like, what? That's crazy that people know you like this. And it, it just, it, it really does affirm that we're doing the right thing. And it's very, it's very meaningful to us. So thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Yara. Thank you, everyone. We'll get to the rest of the voicemails. I hope that this reaches you in a place where you feel good about your lives. And see, I'm crying again. What the fuck is the matter with me? Happy New Year. <laughs> see y'all soon. Bye. Patreon. Yeah.